Welcome to the Wild and Well podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Hilary Clare, a clinical psychologist, holistic parenting mentor with a focus on nutrition and environmental medicine, a yogi, author, and mom of two wild boys. Here, we will delve into the big and the little things that move the needle for children's health and mental wellness in a modern world that doesn't always make it easy to do so. Together, we can nurture resilient kids, vibrant mothers, and a brighter future for the planet and the next generation. Let's get into it. Welcome to this episode of the Wild and Well podcast. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different than the solo episodes and the interviews that we've had so far. This one, I'm actually being interviewed. So this is an episode where naturopath Jessica Donovan interviews me, and it's one that she has had on her podcast, Natural Super Kids. It's a podcast that you guys have to check out. All parents would benefit from this podcast. In On her show, she talks about so many different things, but it's generally about how to holistically support our kids to be healthy and thriving using natural means. But she also lives in the real world where she understands that sometimes there's a place for antibiotics. So she's really balanced in her views. She's incredible. And so is her team. And they actually have a program, a membership by the same name, Natural Super Kids. That's an online program that has so many different resources. There's master classes about eczema and asthma and ADHD and so many other topics. There's recipes that are healthy that kids actually want to eat. And there's support that you can get. There's Q&A sessions. It's an incredible membership that she offers. So definitely worth checking out. I'll leave the link to it in the show notes of this podcast, or you can just type into Google or Instagram, natural super kids. So on the website, it's just naturalsuperkids.com. And in this chat today, Jessica and I talk all about holistic brain health. So it's definitely a topic that you'll want to listen to. We talk about ways to support our kids' brain health to have better attention, better mood, behavior, and how we can overall set them up for better mental health, not just today, but in the long term. So a few different things that we talk about are what parents need to know about kids' mental health, how we can best support their mental health, why kids' behavior and learning challenges are on the rise, and how we can actually do something about this for our kids, how we can support their learning, how we can support their behavior, and how their brain is working as parents. So have a listen, and I think you're going to really enjoy this. So I'm so excited to welcome Dr. Hilary Clare to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a fan of your work and I'm excited to be here. 
Oh, I'm excited to, about our, our chat today. So can you first, I guess, get started just by letting our listeners know a little bit about you and how you came to be doing what you're doing today? Sure. So I am a clinical psychologist and throughout my work in clinical psychology, I predominantly worked with families and women and children. Um, And then it wasn't until I had my first son that I got really interested in the why behind the neurodevelopmental disorders and mental health disorders and why these are becoming more and more common. So I really delved into the research then. But before that, I was yeah more doing just a traditional psychology work, you know, the one-on-one work, running groups, the things that you think of when you think of a psychologist. Mm. And I've always had a real interest in holistic health. And I've worked as a yoga instructor, a personal trainer, and studied nutrition for a while at university before I ended up switching over to psychology. But yeah, it wasn't until I became pregnant and was starting motherhood myself that I really shifted my focus in my work and my interests. And then from there, I started doing more study in nutrition again and environmental medicine and looking at that why piece that I find absolutely fascinating. And there's always so, so much to learn there. Yeah. And so that's where I'm at right now. I work with moms to help support their little ones to have optimal brain development and ideally lessen the likelihood of behavioral attention, mood, um, mental health issues, while Mm -hmm. also supporting moms to thrive in motherhood, because that's an essential piece. We have to take care of ourselves before we can show up as the moms we want to be and do the best for our kids. So those are the two areas of focus of my work at my, at the moment. Yeah. I love that. And I totally agree. Like we've got to fill up our own cup as mums, especially if we do have kids with mental health issues or neurodevelopmental conditions or learning difficulties that kind of take more of us. So I love that you sort of mentioned that. And that I just love that you're so holistic because that's fairly rare to find in psychology, isn't it? Yeah. And I think through, um, I've always been really, really interested in health in a more holistic manner. I almost studied to be a naturopath, but I ended Mm -hmm. up down the more nutrition and then into psychology route. But in my psychology training, that holistic piece was really missing. We would touch Mm -hmm. on lifestyle, a little bit about sleep hygiene and things like that. But it was a real missing piece. And that's why after doing uh, my studies and becoming a mom, I realized this is missing. And I had to Mm -hmm. go in and I'm continuing to learn in that area myself because it is, it's such an integral part. Our bodies are all connected. Our brain, our mind is not separate from the rest of our body. So lifestyle impacts all aspects of our health, including mental health. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that. And I love that, um, you know, that unique kind of side to what you offer. That's just, that's just great. So can we start by, you know, I think we're all fairly aware that mental health conditions are on the rise in our children. What are some of the most important things that mums need to understand about our children's mental health? There's several things. I think one thing is to recognize that there's so much that we can do. I want moms to feel empowered in this journey Mm -hmm. because sometimes there's the message that 
we can't do anything about it or there's very little that we can do, but there's actually a lot that we can do for our kids, for their mental health, if they're struggling at the moment, or if they're really young and we want to try to reduce the likelihood of them struggling over their lifetime, there's so much we can do. I think that's an integral piece. I think also that like we were talking about before, moms do need to prioritize their own wellness, Mm -hmm. their own mental health, their own holistic health in order to show up and be able to do the best for their kids, because it does take effort to make these changes that we need for our kids to support Mm -hmm. their brain health and their mental health. So we need to have the energy, the patience, the, um, the drive and the focus and everything to do that and sustain those changes. And I also think we need to know that unfortunately our modern day isn't really setting our kids up to have optimal brain health or mental health. So I think it is so important that as mothers, we do take on that challenge of helping our kids on that journey because they're not going to get it elsewhere. There's too many things that are setting our kids up to have challenges unfortunately. And I think in some ways that is shifting, but there is still a lot in the way, a lot of obstacles in the way for our kids. So yeah, yeah, I want moms to feel empowered. I want them to prioritize themselves, but also know that it is going to take some work because there are real challenges out there. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And so can you talk us through some of the ways that we can support our kids' mental health, you know, some practical ways that mums listening can, can go away from this podcast episode and, you know, start to start to implement. There are so many things that we can do. And I think it's key to start with things that we find doable. So sometimes that is a small thing, but a small change can then build on another small change. So I can mention lots of different things, but just to have that in your mind while you're listening to this to um, not feel like you need to come make all these changes all at once. And I know some people do and they go like full in and that's their focus and that's what they do. And that's great, but that doesn't have to be the way we can do this in little micro shifts here and there and create a lifestyle overall. That's going to set our kids up for lifelong ideal mental health. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they generally do take time. So if I, I like to work in a few different ways, like looking at nutrition and diet, looking at lifestyle, look at at environmental factors, and then looking at psychological strategies. So I can give you a few things in each of those categories. That'd be Um, wonderful. Thank you. So in diet, two of the big ones would be getting rid of vegetable oils. So those are the industrial seed oils, um, canola, sunflower, safflower, cottonseed, rice bran, all those oils. They're really processed, inflammatory. They just wreak havoc on our gut, on our immune system. They cause inflammation in our bodies and in our brains. And they even reduce blood flow, which impacts our brains. So they can, they're associated with a lot of really detrimental health effects, but for our brain specifically, they are hard on our learning, our all of our cognitive functions, you know, thinking clearly, remembering, um, they can even affect behavior and Mm -hmm. so many other, our mood often they can be associated with uh, like 
depressed mood and anger and things like that. So they're really, really not helpful in any shape or form. So Mm -hmm. that's one of the biggest things to get rid of. That's something that when, if you do it, you're not going to see a difference right away. It's not, it's more of a long-term thing that you're setting your kids up to have really good brain health overall mm-hmm. throughout their lifetime. But an, another thing that you can do dietary wise is reducing additives. So like the food colorings, the artificial flavors, some preservatives, those sort of things. And these, if you, if you get these out of the diet, you can actually see changes pretty quickly. If your kid is eating them regularly, you can see a massive shift, even sometimes in a few hours or a few days, you can see a huge Mm -hmm. shift. So additives, they're they're unhelpful. And I know you've talked about this on your podcast before, but they're, they're really unhelpful for our brain and they're really um, unhelpful for our behavior. Um, They can, they're associated with, you know, learning issues, um, meltdowns, just being irritable, being restless, anger outbursts. Mm. They're just so hard on our, our kids. And I've experienced it in my own kids when they've had those and it's not, it's not nice for them and it's, it's exhausting for them and it's exhausting for us as parents. So that's a a nice one to work on initially because you do see a change right away when you get rid yes, of those. You get that you get that fast kind of feedback, don't you? That yeah. it's, it's worth doing for sure. Yeah. So those are two like there's other dietary changes, but those are two. Lifestyle-wise, yeah. I really like to focus on sleep initially because mm-hmm. our kids are generally not getting adequate quality or quantity of sleep, especially compared to what we're supposed to get or what we used to get in the past. And this is for different issues, you know, lack of time in nature sunlight, um, lack of enough like, um, physical activity and things yeah. like that. And also screen time. So being on like those blue lights and yes. that late at night or even taking phones to bed. So addressing sleep is a really key lifestyle piece to help with mental health, because if we're not sleeping well, our brains are not working well, and that's going to lead to feeling stressed, feeling depressed, feeling irritable, not Mm. being able to learn well or focus and all those things. And with sleep, it can be useful to even look a bit deeper and look at if there's any sleep disorders or um, mouth breathing, that can be an issue Mm. too. So if your kid is snoring or you notice that they're breathing through their mouth during the day or at night, that can be something that you might want to investigate further. Because if they're not yeah. getting that oxygen to their brain, well, their poor brain is not going to be able to work at capacity. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Such good, you know, such foundational things, but they really do make a difference, don't they? And I think the screens are such a huge part of our kids not getting enough sleep because without the screens, they'll just go to sleep. Because there's, <laughs> there's nothing else to do, there's, you know, but on a screen, they can just kind of stare at it for hours and hours and hours. And I find in my practice and also just in my personal life, talking to other mums that so many kids are just going to bed way too late. I know my son, who's nearly 14, always complains, Michael, my friends get to go to bed, you know, at this time and that time. I'm like, yeah, but that's not really good for you. And he needs, you know, some kids need more sleep than others as well, but I'm so glad you brought sleep up because it's so important and it can feel like a bit of a constant battle, especially with older kids to kind of get them, get them to bed on time. So I think that's really important. 
Yeah. Yeah. These things aren't necessarily easy. They're important, but they're not necessarily easy to change. And as much as sleep is important. Yeah. There's nights where I'm thinking, oh, I wish I had gotten my kids to sleep earlier. You can just tell that they're getting to that overtired stage. So yeah, yeah, it doesn't, yeah, it's just, and we have to be kind to ourselves and know that we're going to do this imperfectly. Yes. But it's just about creating the lifestyle habits to support our kids long-term. Yeah. Yeah. Right. uh, Yeah. And I don't know if you wanted a few other ones, but yes, that'd um, be great. Looking at like the psychological piece, I find a really key part is helping our kids learn about their emotions. So Mm -hmm. to really develop that emotional intelligence, because in our society and in schools, they generally focus more on IQ and cognitive functioning and thinking and all those things. But the emotional intelligence piece is so, so critical and it makes everything easier if we have good awareness of our emotions and we're able to regulate ourselves. Mm. So a a simple thing that we can start doing with our kids is working on the first step in emotional intelligence. And that's just emotional awareness. So just noticing what you're feeling and putting a name to it. Mm -hmm. So as parents, we can help our kids learn this at any age by first doing it ourselves. So if we can check in every day or a couple of times a day to just notice what am I feeling in my body and what emotions might that be? And then talking to our kids about that and modeling that behavior and then being curious with them. If they're, if you notice that they're feeling some sort of emotion, you can talk to them and say, oh, when I, when my face starts getting red and I feel pressure in my head and I feel energy surging through my body for me, that's often I'm anger or frustration. Is that how you're feeling? And just get curious about that. So they can start connecting the words to the feeling And once they have that, emotions are less like all encompassing, less overwhelming, and they're able to then use their emotions to give them information about maybe boundaries have been crossed or that they're hungry or that they've unmet needs underneath that. So that's such a key psychological piece that I think is really helpful to build up our kids' resilience and mental health. Yes, I love that one. And it's um, something that I, you know, try my best to do with my kids as well. I think um, now that I'm I'm in those teenage years with my kids, well, my eldest is a teenager, like I'll often start and that, so that, they're, you know, they're more aware and they can take on board more things. So I'll often sort of, you know, when I can feel my emotions, whatever they are, sort of, um, yeah, coming up to the surface, I'll just sort of talk to the kids. Like I'm feeling really irritated today. I'm not sure why, um, but I'm just letting you know, you know, so it's sort of, um, telling them or being being aware of your own emotions and expressing that to your kids like you said that's really the first step we don't even have to um link it link it to them but then they naturally just start to be more aware of that don't they yeah because we are one of the greatest role models so what we do is just normal so if we're noticing our emotions and talking about it they get curious about theirs and they just see that as what you do right yeah they learn that skill yeah without you actually having to explicitly teach it to them. Yes. And I think as parents realizing that, you know, kids behavior is often emotion coming out, isn't it? So, you know, when our kids are playing up or melting down, reflecting back that emotion that they might be feeling at them is another way, I think, to, to build up that emotional intelligence. And we can do this from really young, right? 
Yeah. I even would do it when my kids were babies and it was more for me to just process my own emotions, but it was good practice to just go through talking about how I'm feeling and, and why, or if I don't know why. And they, I think they, even as babies, they, they appreciate you talking to them in that way. And then as they get older, it just is their way of life. Yes. And like you said, it helps you process your emotions. I mean, we could have a whole conversation just about, (laughs) you know, this emotional intelligence, because I think it's so important. And many of us weren't brought up in that way, you know, so we were, we were brought up to, to, you know, quieten down and just deal with it and just get on with it. And it's not that bad. Um, So of course we, we start to sort of unconsciously parent the way we were parented, don't we? Mm -hmm. And so just being aware of this, again, we're not going to get it right all of the time, but I think this is, this is something really practical that um, parents can, can work on for sure. Yeah. And it can be uncomfortable sitting with those emotions that our kids have because we can often take them on board ourselves Mm -hmm. um, if we are not aware of them. And yeah, I did my PhD on this and I still catch myself often, you know, not doing the right thing exactly. Right. So yeah, we're going to do it very imperfectly, but it's just about practicing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Did you want to share anything else? I mean, I'm sure there's, there's other things you could say, maybe, maybe one more, one more piece in, in this part of the convo. Sure. So another thing, so yeah, as we looked at diet, some lifestyle things or sleep for the lifestyle, um, category than psychology strategies and I guess for environmental Mm. um, medicine sort of piece like getting rid of some different toxins so getting rid of pesticides can be really helpful to support our brain health and that can then in turn help support our mental health so if we can get more spray-free products or at least if you bring them home and you wash them really thoroughly that's a good start to just reducing Mm. that exposure so that's a key thing or even getting rid of um, plastics is a great thing too to reduce those endocrine disruptors that unfortunately come with them that mess with our hormones but in turn can cause behavioral issues because they do impact on our brain so yeah and I mean there's so we talk about this often at natural super kids like there's so many more toxins and chemicals that our kids are exposed to and the brain, you know, just absorbs all of those things, doesn't it? So the the more low tox we can go in all areas, the better that's going to be for our for our kids' brain health as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, reducing any of them, any step is a great step in that direction. It can be a small thing, removing one thing from your kitchen, or it can be a total overhaul, like whatever. Mm. It it all is amazing and really supportive of brain health. Yes. And I love that you're giving that advice because that's what we're all about at Natural Super Kids as well. That like step-by-step approach. And you said right at the start, you know, every good habit builds on the last one. And when there are, you know, mental health or um, brain health issues going on with our kids, we often do feel like very overwhelmed. So that step-by-step approach I think is fantastic. Um, all right. So what about, let, let's switch now to talk a little bit more about our kids learning and behavior. Why do you think that there are more and more issues in these areas? Well, yeah, they're definitely on the rise. So mm-hmm. I think in one, one way that we see there's a rise is because there is more awareness, there's more diagnoses yeah. and there's more support, which is good. Like that's a really, yes. really good step. But I think there's more of that because we need that 
unfortunately, because kids are having more struggles with their learning, more struggles with um, behavioral outbursts and problems. So it is a real issue. It's not just because of that awareness, but yeah, these things are on the rise because because of our, the diet that we're eating, that standard diet is full of so many unhelpful substances. I wouldn't even call them food. They're more like the additives and the pesticides and all those things. And even what's in the packaging, you know, rubbing off on, on the foods that are inside of them. So that's Mm. part of the piece. And with that, even nutritional um, deficiencies can come Mm -hmm. because people aren't eating what we're, what our bodies need then environmentally we are exposed to so many more toxins like you're saying and we can't reduce those completely so they are impacting on our brains and therefore on behavior and learning and this starts sometimes often before people even get pregnant and then during Mm -hmm. pregnancy and in childhood so it's a whole way through Mm -hmm. that these are impacting on uh, our kids brains and showing up as the symptoms of learning issues, attention issues, hyperactivity, um, you know, sensory processing issues, all those things. Um, And also, yeah, I guess like there is this, the part about like our lifestyles being really busy now and there is lack of play or less play as a focus, less rest, And that does like our kids do need that. They need more of that than our modern world wants to give them. Mm -hmm. So that can cause issues with behavior because they're, our kids are more stressed. They're more in that sympathetic nervous system state way too long. And they're not getting that time to calm down and move more into the parasympathetic and let their brains have that rest. So then that can lead to just that overwhelm, overstimulation in their brains. And that can lead to learning issues and Mm. behavioral issues and meltdowns and things like that. So unfortunately, I think our modern day world is just not aligned with our DNA and how we're meant to live. So that's why as moms, there is some work that we have to do to help support our kids, to help create at least in our homes and as much as possible in their lives, a lifestyle that is helpful and supportive of their brains and of their bodies. So they don't have so many learning issues and behavioral issues. Yes. And I think the reassuring thing is, or the thing that makes it easier is that we, you know, a lot of those factors that are affecting our kids' mental health are the same things that are affecting our kids' learning and behaviour and mood, um, which I guess ties in with mental health. So, you know, if we can start to work on the nutrition and the diet and the lifestyle and the environment, we're going to be benefiting their brain in all of those different ways. Absolutely. It's all connected. Yeah. Yeah. And so do you have any, maybe just a couple of practical tips, um, the things that we might be able to do to support our kids learning and behavior? I know that's a huge question as well. And I think some of those, those things that you said earlier for kids, mental health are going to be the same. Like, of course, additives are a big one with learning and behavior. That's one of the first things that I'd recommend to, to parents with kids with learning or behavior difficulties is get rid of the additives from the diet. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Diet wise, get rid of the additives, get rid of the vegetable oils, reduce the sugar, get back to real foods, more veggies, more home cooked foods, things like that. And that will make a world of a difference in the moment, but long-term as well for Mm -hmm. setting your kids up to just not have foggy brains. So their brains are clear and they're able to think. And therefore, if they're able to think, they're able to concentrate better and they won't have as many attention issues as, and as many behavioral problems. So yeah, diet is massive. And with, um, like you're saying, like implementing low tox strategies. So as much as possible, getting rid of toxins, um, from your house, a really useful thing to do is just take off your shoes when you get home. So you're not bringing in more stuff or vacuuming and dusting more often to just get rid of the toxins that settle. So like the endocrine or um, the flame retardants, which are an endocrine disruptor, they, they get in the, they fall down in the dust. So, and our kids are generally like more on the floor, especially when they're younger and putting their hands in their mouth and things like that. So Mm -hmm. if we can just reduce their exposure in those practical ways, we can really support their brains so they can have more capacity to learn more easily. Um, yeah. And then lifestyle wise, I think it can be really good to look at giving them more space to just be slow and relax and not have constant stimulation. I think just giving their brains that break is so essential. And this might look like not having plans for an hour, or it might actually be helping them integrate different practices to calm their nervous system. So anything that's going to activate the vagus nerve will help bring about their calming nervous system. Mm -hmm. So, you know, deep breathing, um, jumping in the ocean, Mm. um, different things like that. Even gratitude can help calm you down, humming or singing. Those are brilliant things to help Mm -hmm. us calm our nervous system. So in moments where you do notice that your kid is getting overstimulated, you can bring these practices in to help them to just regulate that nervous yes. system. Yeah. yeah. I, I often with my kids, we, we um, sing in the car because sometimes they're a bit amped up. Like when I pick them up from places or even before going to bed, we like um like in yoga classes mm. and my kids just love it. Like my two-year-old, he sometimes starts it by himself and it's just such a nice way to calm them down and get them ready for sleep. So even things like that can really, really so help simple. with their attention. Yeah. It's so simple. It takes you know, 30 seconds to yes. do. And it's just about having those skills in place that you, um, you do regularly mm-hmm. and you help your kids do when they're feeling overstimulated to help bring them down. So yeah, those that's things a great help. tip. Because I think the the humming or the singing, you can do it anywhere. Mm-hmm. You might look a bit silly out in public, <laughs> but whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you can it. just do it even quietly to yourself. Like it's something that's accessible anytime, anywhere. So that's a, a great tip. And I love what you said just about, you know, slowing down and giving kids space because kids' schedules are just so busy. And I think as parents, we feel the pressure of getting them, you know, to this class and that class and that sport and this sport so that they keep up, you know, so that they can find their, you know, passion or whatever when they're little. And then it gets more sort of serious with with more commitments as they get older. 
So I think we do really need to be careful not to over commit our kids. And I think that's something a lot of parents really do struggle with. Mm -hmm. And that stimulation even comes in the form of the screens too, right? So even when they are having downtime, let them have real downtime rather than downtime where their brains are still stimulated by a screen. That isn't that isn't the most ideal type of downtime. We just need that quiet. They can read a book or, you know, play with toys or something, but yeah, just trying to slow down in multiple ways can be really helpful. And I think that's a really good point because a lot of our kids, you know, when they're not busy with activities, their downtime is on an iPad or a phone or a computer. Um, And I know with my son, who's almost 14, he's a couple of weeks away from being 14. He's out and about and he's active and he's into his mountain biking, which is great. You know, he's out in nature, but then it's, he's, he struggles to find things to do at home. He's not really a reader. Um, And he, you know, I'm like, so you need some downtime, but you need to stay off the screen. And he's just lost. (laughs) What am I supposed to do then? Just lay there, just go and lay and watch the clouds. Or, you know, I think that gets harder in the, in the teenage years because they don't necessarily play anymore. Um, He likes to, you know, build things or tinker with his bike. But I think for parents, it gets harder to, um, yeah, find things for them to be able to do that that's downtime. And, but I think it's really important. They get used to that feeling of just doing nothing and being bored. Mm -hmm. And it can even look like doing some things like going to the beach or just going for a walk around in nature that there's no like real purpose. It's just to be there and to let your mind take a break from the rest of your life and yeah yeah, nature is so nourishing in that way so maybe for him his mountain biking is part of his downtime in a way yes yes I think it is because you know and it's that that he's out in nature with his friends so I love that that's you know the thing that he's really passionate about Um, and that's a really good point they don't necessarily have to be lying around to have downtime just they just need to be giving their brain a break from thinking and yeah so I, I love that point of difference as well um okay well such a great conversation we could talk for hours and like our approaches are just so complimentary I think so I think my um you know the the audience the natural super kids audience are going to really love this chat but tell us where people can find out more about you and what you offer um yeah so they can they can come and connect with you online yeah, so uh, my website is Dr. Hillary Claire, and I'm the same name on Facebook and Instagram, just Dr. Hillary Claire. So that's Dr. Hillary with one L and Claire with an I. Thank you. Yeah, I just kept it simple across all those platforms, so people yeah. can come and find me there. I work one-on-one with moms in those two capacities, supporting themselves in motherhood while supporting their kids behaviorally and with their brain health. And I have some upcoming books and a course oh. coming out very soon. So hopefully in the next month, I'll have the course and the, one, the first of a book series out. Wow, that's yeah. very exciting. And what's, what's your book focused on? So the, the books are about um, postnatal depletion and helping moms to thrive in motherhood. So there's three. And the first one is getting the clarity around what you want motherhood to look like getting clear on your priorities and why you need to be a priority and those things. And then the second one's looking more holistically at your lifestyle, your nutrition, your sleep, all those things and applying it to yourself, which if you do that, 
then you you're going to just model that you're going to be doing that and your kids will just fall in line eventually as well so that's really handy and then the third one's about what we need to let go of as moms so we need to let go of our really high expectations of ourselves trying to be perfect as mothers trying to be that that super mom stereotype and Mm. unhelpful beliefs that are holding us back from really enjoying motherhood Mm -hmm. so that's what the, the books are about and the course is about those topics as well Fantastic. Well, I look forward to those coming out and we'll pop a link to your website and your Facebook and your Instagram in the show notes. So if anyone's struggling to find them, um, they can just head over to the show notes and we'll pop the links in there. So it's easy for everyone to find. Thank you so much for joining me today. It was so nice to connect and I think we'll need to maybe continue the conversation. (laughs) I'd love to get you back on and maybe we can focus more on, on mum's mental health next time. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's an important piece. I'd love to talk about it. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for sharing your knowledge with me. See you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Wild and Well podcast. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode and please share with like-minded mothers. A review wherever you listen to your podcast is greatly appreciated as it helps to get the show to even more mothers and families. Together we can nurture thriving kids, vibrant moms, and a brighter future for the next generation. Disclaimer, the information in this podcast is intended as educational in nature and is for informational purposes only. It is not personal health advice or indicative of a therapeutic relationship, and it should not be used to prevent, diagnose, or treat health problems. If any of the information in this podcast resonates with you, consult a qualified healthcare practitioner to discuss what works best for you in your unique situation.